This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, for my fifth episode with Paul Scanner-Danner, we sat in the ASTE studio that was sponsored by Shopware and caught up on his life and his world. There are some great pictures if you watch the video version of this episode of him in 1994 and now. Paul reminisces about his Dodge Power Wagon family and the Scanner Danner brand. Find the video on the show page and on my YouTube channel. Paul was at ASTE to learn and continue to hone his craft. Like me and Tracy, Paul has his son working with him in the creative process to keep Scanner Danner relevant and up to date. Planning on attending Apex? Well, make sure to stop by the Napa Auto Care booth on the first floor for a meet and greet with the 2021 NHRA champion, Ron Caps, He'll be there on Tuesday, November 1st, between 10.30 and 11.30. Hey, back at ASTE in the uh, uh, studio here. God, this beautiful boardroom uh, sponsored uh, by Shopware, of course, from ASTE and Asta. Lucky enough to have Paul Danner, Scanner Danner, Paul Scanner Danner. When you, when you're introduced, you say, hi, I'm Paul Danner. Do you say, hi, I'm Scanner Danner? What do you say? I just say, I'm Paul. You're Paul. Uh, I'm not Dan. I might say I'm not Dan. (laughs) What an interesting career and a brand and a name that you've built for yourself. You were on my show a while back and I think I probably asked you this question. Did you ever realize you'd get here? We all know the answer because you're such a humble guy. I try to be humble, Carmen. Sometimes difficult when you get a thousand comments a day of like how great you are. And, you know, that can have an effect on, on you. And I think sometimes a negative way, but I'm just grateful for everything and to be here in a live situation and get to meet so many of the people that have been impacted. Yeah. Recharge my batteries last night and. I told you before we turned the mics on that I purposefully didn't take a class early this morning because I knew I was going to stay up late and socialize. And it was really important to me to be able to do that. And I'm just honestly this morning still blown away by some of the stories that I got to hear. It reminds me of the love that people have for you. And it's, it's kind of a, it's not a smoozy word. I think it's, uh, you know, there's a, there's a trust, there's a compassion, there's a caring. You've probably helped people out of things unknown to you. You're sleeping at night and people are saying, Oh, he bailed me out. Yeah. And you don't even know that. That's true. And when you come to events like this, and it, it happens to me too, nowhere near your level. But when people come up to me and says, oh, my God, I love what you're doing. I love the kind of subjects you're covering. And you know what it does to me? And it probably does to you. It makes you say, I got to work harder. Yeah, for sure. The longer I do this to navigate further and it's like, where are we going next? And now that I have my son working for me and I know that you can relate to that and having family members, you know, working for you behind the scenes and we think about them too. You know, I'm I'm not just looking at, well, let's see what I can do to my retirement. Let's, let's see what I can do to carry this on to my son. And those things are all in my mind all the time. And I don't know, I am humbled by this opportunity. And and sometimes I feel like I'm not, it's not worthy. (laughs) And I being here, especially, you know, like I'm sort of a celebrity when I walk through. Yes, you are. Sometimes I, I hold my head down. I, I told Brian Pollock, who I came here with, I'm like, oh, I should have brought a mask or a hat. No, a Just, hoodie, a hoodie, <laughs> a big, a big hoodie. Bring it over. He says, oh, who's that mask man? Yeah. Just because sometimes I just want to get to that coffee pot that's on the other side of the room and get some coffee first and, <laughs> I and I can't get there. And I, you know, like all of that stuff um, coming into this was 
a little bit uh, anxiety. Gives yeah. me anxiety because right. that's not me. I'm not here for that. You're part. not here for celebrity. No. You're, you're, actually, you're probably here to network and to you know learn. I mean, I saw you in a class I, yesterday. I, I'm here for, I took all EV classes. Yeah, I saw you yesterday yeah. at the uh, CTI training center. This guy was on the floor and he was so into everything that was going on. It wasn't that I was impressed, but you know, knowing I was going to do the interview with you today, I said, ah, this is how this guy learns. And But more than anything, you've been the trainer for so many people because you are self taught. Yeah. The challenge that we had in our previous episode was to push this industry to a completely new level mm-hmm. about making training as a pillar inside uh, a strategic pillar inside your company. And it's not just pay for the training, pay for the room and board, pay for the class. It's okay. It's done. Come back. How do you make that training a sticky portion of your business? How do you get your money's worth? Well, the tech teaches the people that weren't there because when you teach, you learn and you practice and maybe you do a personal case study and you build a resume on what's going on. So the question is, is are we going to survive if we don't train? No, we're absolutely not. And, you know, some people were asking me too, well, what are you doing here? What class are you teaching? And I said, I'm the student. (laughs) I'm I'm here to learn. (laughs) We have to continue learning. And sometimes uh, that learning is on the job. Not sometimes as a mechanic, as a technician, Every day on the job is you're learning as long as you're asking yourself, you know, the questions, why, why did this happen? And you're not just comfortable sending that car down the road because it's fixed and that's more, you know, money in your pocket. Um, as long as you understood maybe even where you went wrong and, and, and your approach and, and you know why, then you're learning on the job. You really are in this field, but there is a level that we can't really achieve in that environment where we need to take a step outside of that environment and come to a place like this where we can sit in a classroom and we can get uh, theory and operation, things that, you know, you can learn reading online, but being in a classroom with, with an expert who has done this, who has hands-on experience and then picking up those, those little tidbits of information. I mean, that's why I'm here. And, and I, you know, I was in um, Isaac Rodell. I just had him in here. Yeah. His class and his expertise. And, and I had probably at least five or six solid takeaways from that class. And I've always said, if you come out of a class with one piece, just one, yeah. it was worth it. It was worth it. And I had five or six out of that class. So, I mean, I, I'm excited to learn still, yeah. you know, like learning new things. And it just recharged my batteries too, as well as, you know, hearing other people and, and, and their stories and how I've impacted them has recharged my batteries. This training does that too. I, th- I think for any technician that truly wants to learn, that's what this kind of environment does. So the why? It seems like the world is lacking common sense anymore. True. And I think the question of why helps you build it. Absolutely. Instead of looking at just the being narrow view in front of you and worrying about the money and getting the car fixed, if you can ask yourself why that happened and figure that out, then that answer to that why question makes you more efficient down the road. The next one you get, you can be a lot quicker at making that call. And then you learn from that and you make money off of that. That five extra minutes you may spend asking yourself why on that car, did did it do that? And you learned the answer. You took the time to figure out that answer, whether it was to uh, get on the phone even and call a friend uh, or 
or research that information, that's something you're going to make money on for the next 20 years. When you put the right part on that car and it's fixed, don't just be happy about yeah. it's fixed. You need to know why that happened, you know, and, and the how was the route along the way. And, and of course, you learn from those two. You yeah. know, that's on the job training. How much time do you and your son spend editing up a show? <laughs> it depends how long it took me to find the problem. Um, <laughs> okay. So I'm just thinking of this Honda that we just released. We had two days in this car. We had uh, um, two hours one day and two hours the next day. So Caleb would have four hours of footage to go through on that. That's probably at least 40 hours for him to go through that um, uh, on average, a four hour uh, video. It's an extraordinary amount of time. That's 10 times. Yeah. Yeah. I would say 10 times is probably a, a pretty good average. You know, if we're shooting a an hour video that it depends on how many feeds we have going to, if we have, you know, two different cameras and then I have a screen recording and maybe sometimes I'll use like a, a, a bore scope or something. Mm -hmm. So I'll have a screen recorder going on that. That's four different feeds that need to be synced up and figure out which one you're bouncing to and then cut out all of the dead space and, Take me back to the first day you decided to do this and you, you produced your first video. <laughs> when, when was that? We had this conversation a lot last night. <laughs> I just, I don't deal well with praise sometimes, I you get, know? Yeah. It just feels icky to me. All right. I don't know why. I, I guess maybe it's just a internal, like not everybody does well with it, but I had this conversation last night and I said, when I started this in 2011, roughly okay. like filming, it was Double Rainbow Guy and Charlie Bit Me on YouTube. I only used uh, YouTube as a platform because I knew it was free and I didn't know much about it, but I knew it was a platform that my students could access. And so I developed, you know, the, the book and the curriculum and the class and, you know, I'm teaching through it and I'm out in the field, you know, um, mo you know, doing mobile diagnostics at different garages and I'm, I'm starting to take, you know, uh, photos, digital photos of things I'm seeing and then I'm writing up stuff on it, making PowerPoints. And Be that's, because that's how you were built. Yeah. No, absolutely. When I did that years and years later, I was like, well, now we have these cameras that are high def and I'm like, well, I should start filming some of these procedures because now I have the book done and I'm teaching through it and man, it would be awesome. I can, I can talk about it in class. I can show you it in, in the book and show you a picture talking about the procedures, but now let me show you what this actually looks like on the car. And that's what I started doing. And I only wanted my students. It was only for your students. For my students to have access to that case study that would reinforce the topic of the, of the class that I wrote and the book that I wrote. I just wanted it for my students. And for the first year, Carm, I didn't, I didn't monetize anything. I had 25 videos up and I didn't care about ad revenue and YouTube and what's a YouTuber. That wasn't even a word then. Like, what is <laughs> right. that? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and then I just had people through that over that year say, Hey, you know, people from all over the world started finding it yeah. and they're saying, Hey, what's this book you keep talking about? And that was my light bulb moment. And that was like, okay, I, I can teach to the globe. Like it was, but were you, did you add scanner? Were you scanner in the early days? I was or not? scanner Danner from day one, day one okay. because okay. one of my students called me that because every time they would see me, <laughs> uh, that's the class I teach. So every time they'd see me, I'd have a scanner in my hands and it just made sense that, you know, my last name's Danner. So it was a female okay. student that I had and I'm friends with her on Facebook and I, I can't remember 
her name offhand. I wish I did because I'd like to give her props for this name because I don't think she even knows that it was her calling me that that day that made me think about, hey, that's a good name. But when I did that on YouTube, I, I when I opened my YouTube channel, I was Scanner Dan right from the get-go. Wow. And I just picked that name because I, I thought it was catchy and I went with it and it was never a business. Now I'm Scanner Danner LLC. I actually have a business. That's my name. Yeah, who would have thought? Hey, it's no secret. We're facing a technician shortage and Napa Auto Care has a solution with the Napa Auto Care Apprentice Program. The program was pioneered by one of our own. Pete McNeil and Master Technician Jake Sorensen from McNeil's Auto Care in Sandy, Utah, realized that the problem of not having technicians available for hire was not going to solve itself and decided to take action and look at a different audience of individuals available for hire. A focus was put on younger individuals with the right passion, desire, and attitude to work in the automotive repair industry. Jake and Pete sought after these individuals and developed a technician apprentice program to give them the training needed to become a successful technician in today's world. The NAPA Auto Care Apprentice Program includes a comprehensive nine-stage curriculum that includes a variety of types of training, and they are classroom training videos exclusive to the apprentice program. Now, these videos provide in-depth training from a successful master technician. Also, Autotech classes with instructor-led courses offered through NAPA Autotech and Autotech eLearning. This web-based eLearning is designed to target specific training topics. And finally, hands-on learning. The apprentice will apply the skills gained from the classroom training videos, Autotech instructor-led training, and Autotech eLearnings in the shop with the guidance of a mentor. The apprentice program curriculum is competency-based, meaning an apprentice can move through each stage at a pace that best suits them. Most apprentices complete the program within two years. Upon completion, apprentices will have earned ASE G1, A4, A5, and AC certifications, adding industry validation to the skills an apprentice acquires. Look, having an apprentice in your shop will ultimately benefit your bottom line as they advance through the program. And in most cases, as the apprentice develops their skill set producing billable hours, you'll begin to see a growth in your gross profit by stage five. One of the largest barriers to entry for individuals looking to enter the automotive repair industry is the cost of tools. Now, keep your apprentice motivated with an apprentice toolkit. Now, Napa Auto Care has worked with our supplying partners to offer an exclusive comprehensive tool set, including a four-door tool card for all registered apprentices. Hey, to learn more, members can visit member.napaautocare.com. So, Rosedale is the college yeah. that you taught at. I've never left. Oh, like. oh. So, in 2018, um, it, you know, as this grew it became harder and harder to do everything. You know, I'm working a hundred, probably a hundred hours a week teaching full time. And I mean, not now, not now. Okay. Trying to manage, you know, scanner Danner as, as it grew and, you know, answering a hundred plus emails and messages a day. And, you know, all of that stuff takes time. And, um, I slowly started taking like a term off. I'd work, you know, a term is like eight weeks. I'd take a term off and then it was, then it was, two terms a year. And then, cause we do six a year. And then it was three terms a year. It was like every other term I'm teaching. And, and now it is, I do guest appearances. Okay. I'll substitute. I'm still a, okay. a, um, employee at Rosedale tech. I'm kind of more of an advisory type thing now too, but I I'm just not in the day-to-day classes. So you're keeping your foot in in the water there. Yes, I am. Adjunct professor? What do they call you? I mean, that means part-time or do you have any kind of title at the school? I 
don't know. That's a good question. And, and, he, and he, it, the reason that I mentioned the word adjunct, which is, you know, when I got involved in the advisory board and I hear them saying we need more adjunct, adjunct professors, I had to look the word up, right? Yeah, so, I was going to ask you. I don't even know what that yeah, word means. It means part-time it, it means part-time instructor, adjunct. Okay. The college that I'm on the advisory board with, they're looking for all kinds of part-time and they're reaching out to every shop owner yeah. that they know of and even or technicians at the dealership saying, "Can you take a, a night class for us?" Yeah. I was just wanting to take that opportunity to say if you ever get approached or you want to give back to the industry or you'd like to find someone who could be it could come in an intern or you could find an apprentice give back yeah T take everything that you know take your ASE certifications and go teach absolutely I, we need more more guys that are excited about this field to be teaching what we don't need in this field is people who are tired of the field they're burnt out they're older and they're like, I think I'm going to go teach. Are you kidding me? You are the worst person for that job. Keep wrenching. Go do something else. What we need is the younger guys who are excited, who maybe they even feel like they're not ready to teach because they're not old enough. They don't have enough experience. Incorrect. 100%. That's the guy that we want in front of these young kids telling them about this field and what it has to offer. And so many people have this mentality of like, I'm done. I'm going to go teach. We don't want you. That's my message to them. Powerful message. I have not heard it stated like that yeah. so eloquently. How do you feel yeah. about this field? Right. Are you jaded? Do you have this negative attitude you're going to bring with you? Are you tired? You're 55. Your your body's beat up. You want to teach, and you're still excited. Yeah. Then absolutely, yeah, we absolutely. want you. We want you. There's always the exception to the rule, yes. and I love how you qualified that because I think it's so important. There's a lot of people with a high high level of energy, and commitment, and love of this industry, and the 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 respect that if we don't help our younger people climb that ladder and guide them, and if and if you can check all those boxes, then please do it. Yeah. Hundred percent. Wow. Just be excited. You know, this field has a lot that's wrong with it. It does from pay scales to customer base to, you know, just ripping each other down. There's there's a lot of oh, negativity oh, of this oh, field. Oh my god, we But there's a lot of good too. I know, I know. Behind yeah. the scenes of all of that. Unfortunately, maybe the stories are one out of ten, nine negative ones, but one positive one. But the students need to hear that one positive one because it's not a lie. It's true. And that positive one, I could share my life story, is that one. Yeah. And I'm not making it up. No. Uh, this field has been amazing for me from day one all the way through. Of course, I've had struggles, but I would never rip this field as being something you would not want to get into and suggest to a student that they should be doing something else. I had uh, Isaac and Keith Perkins uh, in here before, and you talk about a drop of an idea that we got, and that was to get a panel together of counselors and or principals and or superintendents that have no idea uh, that skilled trades are the most critical. And that uh, and, the, uh, and so really ask them some tough questions about, I don't know if you know what people can make, because I think the steerage... Yeah. That's being done by academia is keeping people away from us. Absolutely. 
So Caleb works for you like Tracy works for me. Does Caleb ever offer you some tips, instructions, ideas? Uh, he does. I don't know so much about like how I'm looking that day. There's been days where I'm like, Caleb, do you see that? Like it's right now. It's pretty bad. I, I should have shaved a little <laughs> before I came, but I see this one like whisker hanging out. It's like this <laughs> random weird hair that's hanging out of the side of my face. And I'm like, Caleb, and I'm look, I, we don't know it. I'm looking at it in the edits. Like the whole time this thing's waving at you as I'm talking. I'm like, I'm completely distracted by that. Caleb, where were you on that one, son? So uh, does that sound familiar? <laughs> where were you on that one, son? So I, he he doesn't. Tracy, you should have edited that stupid thing I said. You left it in. <laughs> exactly. I'm pretty good about visual. Yeah. I adjust Tracy does do the visual. Pretty yeah. Good. Well, because I, she's a woman. Yes. <laughs> And she's, you know, sees those details and, and my son does too, but sometimes he's just worried about the technical side, make sure the lighting's good, make yeah. sure that, you know, he's yeah. got me in focus and, and he's not worried about what I actually <laughs> look like. And so I, that would be helpful if he would do that sometimes, you know, to say, Hey, the behind the scenes stuff that's, yeah. that goes on for uh, yeah. us trying to produce good stuff for people. Yeah. 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 Or another one might be like, I'm pretty sweaty guy. So like summertime filming and I'm, you know, I'm working a 95 degree shop and it's, you know, a hundred degrees outside. And I just have sweat like all over my back. I'm like, Caleb, you could have kind of hid that shot, you know, like <laughs> nobody wants to see that, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. You but, came around the back to show what was going uh, on and my yeah. back is. Yeah. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. So you work, you work out of your brother's shop. I do. Yeah. yeah. How so, cool is that? I, it's amazing. I, it's an opportunity that I never anticipated coming. I think it's been two years now. Um, this is the garage. So just a little background on his shop. It's pretty cool. That shop opened in 93, um, and it was the first garage I ever worked for. They were a brand new shop and there was an engineer and a 20 year Mercedes Benz tech that partnered up and, you know, built this building and auto perfection was the name. And I was the first hire. I'm going to send you a picture of what I look like when they hired me. So we should cue that image right now. They hired this guy. B-roll. Right? They hired this guy, but how I look which was pretty cool. I'm the only guy there. I opened that shop brand new out of school. Wait a minute. Your brother didn't own he it. He wasn't there yet. Okay, he right. wasn't there yet. All right. And I worked there for a year, just me and these two guys, fresh out of Rosedale Tech. And my brother's working in a different garage. And a year later, I got him that job. So I got him that job at that shop. We worked together for a few more years before we parted ways. I went a different direction. My brother stayed. And all these years later... 25, whatever years later, almost 30, yeah. um, he now owns the garage. And as soon as he signed the documents to say, you know, he's now garage owner, I'm like, Danner, I call him Danner, Danner, I'm coming <laughs> to film over at your shop. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. And so, you know, I, much to the dismay of one of my main other garages, Pete Latour, he's still a great friend. He's right down the road from me. I was like, Pete, I can't, I can't do filming here because you, you you heard how long it takes me to edit and do things. I, I just can't do the volume of cars I used to because I don't fix cars unless I'm on camera. Yeah. And so it was my brother's shop. I, I'm filming at my brother's shop. Do you have a dedicated bay there? No, we do not have a dedicated bay. In fact, when I pull into his garage, um, <laughs> we don't even have a parking spot. That's how busy he is. So sometimes we're working out in the parking lot. Sometimes we're working in the middle of the shop. And either way, 
he'll move things around to get us in and, you know, let us do our thing. So. This is raw. I yeah. mean, this is, this is the real raw world yeah. we live in. I mean, it's yeah. not this, oh my God, he's probably got lights up somewhere in a pristine floor. I mean, no. you're, you're just a junkyard dog. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Scared. And you know, we, uh, you talk about lighting. I'm actually gonna I'm going to pay. I told my brother that let's pay for some updated lighting in his shop. I want to get some better lighting for him that will help us too with our camera. So it's a win-win. I wonder if a better light would uh, uh, improve my olive oil complexion at all. <laughs> so, so maybe a more uh, a yellow light, I don't know, would, would, would help. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, Carl. That's fine. Uh, it's too good. You uh, restored a Dodge. That, was this one of your original vehicles? Yeah. yeah. Well, you have another B-roll shot we can use here. Right. So I have this picture you're looking at. Uh, it's me and my wife. This is like 1994, and I have this old Dodge Power Wagon Stepside. And, and so and I'm still with the same woman. We've been together for uh, this January. It'll be 30 years. We've been just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. We have four kids. And this was the truck, you know, when we're dating. And I've always regretted selling my old power wagon. And so then to come across this new one, and that makes more sense now probably to you guys why maybe I was so excited talking about it in the podcast I did with yeah, Matt, Matt Fonslow. Yeah. yeah is I have another one. It's almost like I have my old girlfriend back. Do you, do you know, like, <laughs> like, it's the other woman in my life. She's back. But, but it was your first. Yeah, but and the, I'm with the same woman. So yeah. it, it is more than just the truck. You know, we're both riding it together. Oh and it's, it's awesome. Like we, you know, unfortunately it's a stick shift. So she can't sit in the middle seat next to me because otherwise, the, you know, the stick's like right in her gut. But... I often want her to scoot over and let me put my arm around you while we're driving you know, without the seatbelts on. We never wore seatbelts back then. But never. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have seatbelts, but so the B-roll shot of that, this is the updated version oh. of, of me and my wife, you know, 30 years later. So oh. I was 93, I 29 years later, this is us with the new power wagon standing right next to each other. Same place, same driveway. It's her parents' driveway, same background, oh, neat. same body positions, um, I'm definitely fatter than I was uh, and older, but yeah. <laughs> did you do an episode on this? Uh, we didn't. We did. What? I mean, I, I took some right. pictures and wished oh. her happy anniversary. And congrats on your anniversary. Yeah. But you have inspired me to think <laughs> about my first vehicle, which was a '72 Camaro Rally Sport with the split bumper. It had a black nice. Landau top. Yeah. Landa, what the hell's that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pleather, that yeah, pleather. Top. I remember that. Yeah. And every time I go to a car show, I, I look for this vehicle. Yeah. So you understand. Yeah. And, but, but here's the connection that you just drove into me, a lightning bolt inside of me. When I met Anne, I was DJing at a club. That's where I met her. She knew me in the 72 white Camaro. That's awesome. Someday I should tell this story on, on a podcast as to the evolution of time from 72 to when we got married in 76 and how we, we went our own separate ways, but yet connected six months later after I reconnected with Anne, we were married That's awesome. and it's going to be 46 years. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. We don't see that very often these days. Yeah. It, it's, it's amazing, but I got to get that 72 Camaro and I got to get a picture. It, it, maybe I should find it and just buy the damn thing if I, you know, exactly. or, or find it, it go anywhere to well, find one and so take a picture. Yeah. I mean, you understand yeah. the, it's sentimental, the, man. It is sentimental. Oh my God. Right off the bat, like this truck and it's way more pretty than the other one ever was. 
but I almost feel like a kid again when I get inside of it. So it only gets like eight miles per gallon, but that's okay. I don't drive it that much. Thanks for being here. Scanner's here to, to learn. He's trying to be in the background, but you're, you're finding the love that the industry has for you while, while you're trying to hide, but you, you can't. That's okay. And, he, and he's here to do training. Thank you for this great update. It's, it's marvelous to hear uh, the continuing story of you and, Thanks, and, and Caleb working for you. And you know, there's a connection there. We should just go to dinner with Caleb and me and Tracy yeah, yeah, someday. Absolutely. We should, we yeah, should do that. So. I mean, yeah. Yeah, Pittsburgh's not far. You're yeah, four hours from we me. We should absolutely do that. I would and really I love that. I appreciate being here with you guys again. And I think what you're doing is awesome too, Carmen. And, and then, you know, almost creating a network and having other people under your wing, like Matt Fonslow. And, yeah. Uh, I just think, I, I think so much of him. And just what you're doing for the industry, what you guys are doing for the industry is very important too. Yeah. And, and you're a big part of it as well. And, and I thank you for having me here again. I, I'll come on anytime yeah, you want. Thank to. you. And that reminds me of the people that were coming up like they've done to you last night, coming up to me, thanking me for the stuff, citing episodes, citing people's names, citing revelations that they had with it. And you sit there and every time I publish something no different than you, I hope I can help just one person because yeah. we started out with this theme seven years ago listen to learn just one thing yeah i like that yeah i listen. like that and that sometimes i think about that too during the day is like who can i help today yeah. just as a first yeah. thought like just yeah. and it, and to be able to do that and not even know sometimes that we are helping people even when we don't realize that's that we right are. and to reinvent yourself and to come up with new ideas and different topics and it's an interesting parallel course i'm doing the business acumen side and yeah. you're doing the tech technical side yeah and so yeah cool thanks for being here scanner yeah, thank danner you. thank you carm thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast until next time 